Welcome to Five Strat Weekly. Another OG Atlanta United player is being linked with the move away. We break into that rumor as well as all the news and more coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Strat Fam. I'm AJ and this is Tanner McLeod. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This video is sponsored by Burr Burr Sushi. Burr Burr Sushi is a Japanese-inspired, fast, casual eatery that offers ramen, sushi burritos, and poke bowls. Burr Burr delivers cuisine that's ethical, delicious, and fast. Guests can create their own rice bowls and sushi burritos through an array of fresh vegetables, marinated meats, and quality sauces. Also now serving a collection of traditional Japanese ramen. Atlanta United's first preseason match of 2020 was played ever so close to the first watchable match. But first, the reports of Tito Vishalba, uh, which I think, you know, a lot of it, if you follow the, the team closely, yeah, he's probably linked with a move away at some point. But now it's uh, reported by AJC that he is likely to go to a Paraguayan club. Uh, and then also Roberto Rojas chimed in with some sources in the Paraguayan area saying that uh, it might be Serportenio or Libertad. So, you know, that's very interesting because Serportenio, at least in that regard, there are a couple players that uh, reportedly, at least, Anley United are interested in. Uh, Arzamendia being more of the likelier of the two. But uh, I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of fans are broken up about Tito Vishaba, you know, this rumor, and you know, I think the the likelihood of it uh, being probably very true. And so, uh, you know, the prospects of him leaving, where does that leap, you know, in in your your eyes? Well, I think a lot of it isn't really shocking. He struggled last year for fitness, and especially once the system changed to a back three, it's not a system that he naturally fits into. He's not a wing back. We saw at the NYCFC away game. He just doesn't track back. When he's playing, you know, with a fullback behind him, sometimes he will track back and give that work rate, as we saw under, you know, Tata and Frank at some limited times. I don't think it's shocking. He's a player that wants to get into the Copa America squad for Paraguay this summer. He wants to play more minutes. He's on a large salary. You don't keep a guy making 800000 plus a year on your bench. Clearly, he's not comfortable with that second striker role or being the backup there, so I understand that. And like you said, you know, if you're doing business with, say, a Cerro Porteño, there's a couple guys we'd like to get out of there. I would trade a Vijaba for a Villasanti in a heartbeat, but like you said, Arzamendia is the more likely of the two to come. Um, you know, I think playing in Paraguay would be great for him because it gives him, you know, the, the FA there, an up-close-and-personal view of him and his talents, and I'd love to see him playing in the Copa America. But as far as Atlanta United goes, I mean, there were reports on this in The Athletic far back as December, which also mentioned LGP and Gressel being shopped, and guess what? Both of those two guys have already gone. So it wouldn't shock me. It would be sad, but I understand it, and at the end of the day, it's what's best for his career, and I think as opposed to the other two, this move makes a lot more sense in regards to his playing time. Right, and uh, so in terms of you know an outside sale of MLS, that's where I think it's uh, smart on Atlanta United's regard because yes, uh, I think there can be a fairly sizable transfer fee for uh, a Vishalba because he is, I think, for any MLS side, a probable starter for them. And so I think uh, you know, there is uh, some sort of sizable amount that you can get uh, and so with uh, those reports as well is that Libertad is probably 
the more likely of the two as well in terms of those two sides uh, because of uh, kind of a link in terms of the Paraguayan, like at least a former Paraguayan manager in Ramon Diaz. And so, you know, there is kind of more of a likelihood that, uh, you know, if you play for uh, that type of uh, side and that type of manager, then you might be able to get into the Paraguayan side a little bit more uh, likely. And so uh, there is, uh, of course, yeah, just the 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 sadness, of course, if uh, Bishoba would leave. But I think a lot of people see the writing on the wall. But, I mean, there is a possibility that he still could... Uh, kind of play a part in at least, you know, uh, being a right winger um, if we play with four men in the back or, you know, uh, definitely a second striker at times or even the backup striker to Joseph because I think next to anybody else, uh, I mean, he's pretty much got the most kind of uh, like for like for the most part, maybe not the, the hold-up play like uh, Joseph Martinez has or uh, heading of the ball, but, you know, definitely some of the pace, definitely kind of the finishing ability is definitely kind of there. So it's a uh, it's hard it's a hard one for you know a lot of fans to take, but it is a very real possibility that it could happen and I think a lot of people can see the writing on the wall. But yeah, I think for me one of the big things though that's disappointing about him moving on is he is a very different type of player to a lot of the the players that are on Atlanta United. Guys like Pitti and Barco, they can fit into a divorce system in terms of passing and moving and stuff like that. Tito Bijalba is a very direct player. I like that in players, just the type of player that I like to see in the teams and the styles of football that I like to see played. I like when you run up guys, cut inside, make things happen, and, and he's the best player on the team for that. And it's always good to have that second option. But again, I think it just all comes back around to Tito Bijalba wants what's best for him in terms of playing time. And I don't and think he United... can justify being a backup. And especially right. 800K a year, that's a massive amount of salary to open up if you're having trouble finding someone to play that number eight role that Atlanta had to keep talking about. And do you trade, you know, getting rid of a, of a Jabba who's not going to be a starter for a potential high salary starter in the middle of the park? I think that's a deal you have to make. Right. And it's not like we're actually hurting for Tam either, though. And so I, I understand maybe some of the fans in their frustration of why do we need to make this deal? Uh, but it is also, yeah, I mean, Tito Bishalba wants guarantees of playing time and he wasn't guaranteed that. And so, uh, you know, like any player that wants to play for their national team, yeah, he's probably going to want to start games. Away. Yeah, he needs to start games and he needs to show what he's capable of. And what he's capable of is double-digit goals and assists like he showed in 2017. And so that's very, very important that, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, he's not that far removed from that. I mean, 2018 was a pretty, I mean, up and down season but 2000 or in 2019 obviously yeah you know kind of injury marred but uh the potential is absolutely still there he's only 25 and it seems like yeah he's been around for a while but he's only 25 and so uh he should be entering his prime there should be a pretty penny at least i think uh for you know his services but uh moving on from that uh franco escobar has also reportedly interested argentine side rossing club or club uh, and uh, basically, Racing Club manager Sebastian Becasese told Klaus AM590 uh, that the club is looking for reinforcements at fullback. Uh, and former uh, DC United player Leonardo Jara of Boca, who has returned to uh, them, returned to Boca 
after a loan spell at DC United. Uh, it was probably the kind of number one uh, target that they're seeking, but Franco Escobar was named along with another one of those guys. Um, yeah, I think interest is good in our players, whether the actual likelihood of him actually being sold, that's probably very low. Yeah, this is a cold water one for me. He offers too much to this club in terms of the positions he plays at. He is a nailed on starter for any position in the back on the right side of the defense, whether it's a three man back line or a four man. He starts, he's on a good salary for Atlanta United. There's for me a 0% chance he leaves. This is one of those rumors where South Americans from what I've seen just love to just throw out names. They're not afraid to be like, hey, we'd like this person. Whereas that's not really a thing that you get in, in the American market. <laughs> but I just don't see a player like Franco Escobar leaving. And after you lose the shithousery of LGP, your next closest guy is Franco Escobar. So and you need some shithousery. You need some shithousery in the side. And he's got that Joker tattoo and he's got to live up to it. So I don't want him leaving. That's true. And this is a, a you know coming from a guy that maligned Yes, Franco I have Escobar. very much maligned Franco. He has flaws that irritate the piss out of me. But when he's playing well, especially play if we can get playoff Escobar for a whole season, he's a playable. He is a unplayable guy, and he just destroys people. And I love that version of him. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, it really comes down to consistency with Rocco Escobar. And so uh, you know whether he's played as uh, a right center back or somewhere along the the back line or as a right wing back. I mean, yeah, definitely he has so many uh, you know attributes that you love. And that you really need, and so yeah, I think it definitely is kind of very much uh, very unlikely. But certain things have happened anyway. Uh, moving on from that, uh, another signing has been announced in Jake Mulraney, and uh, <laughs> I just keep thinking of Jay Riddle's video. Yeah. If you haven't seen, please go look it up. It's funny and it's only fifty something seconds long, yeah. but hilarious. But uh, you can't ever think of Mulraney ever I just the same. See okay. Jay saying Mulraney over and over again. That's all I got. But, uh, uh, but yeah, anyway, so uh, he comes from a transfer from Hearts of Midlo or Heart of Midlothian FC in the Scottish League, and uh, he's a 23-year-old. He's a winger. We were linked to him uh, pretty much in uh, kind of mid-December-ish, or maybe right before, uh, or yeah, it was like Christmas Eve, I think. Yeah, and so uh, you know, either way, uh, the deal finally transpired after you know an entire month. But uh, and sometimes it, it takes that long to, to kind of get the the deal over the line because of you know a lot of different factors and uh, it could be uh, you know a squabble over contract, squabble over transfer fee. But uh, it seems to be that it's in the six figure range in terms of a transfer fee. Like, do you uh, yeah? Do you like the? I mean, the transfer. If it's a low fee and you're not paying him that much, a couple hundred k a year, there thereabouts. If it's a lowish signing, I get it. Um, he wasn't playing because he'd been dropped by the manager. Um, hearts are doing terrible and they're probably gonna get relegated from the Scottish Premiership. And the comments I've seen from some Hearts fans that have been in the mentions haven't given him the most glowing of recommendations. Yeah, um, there was that incident with his headphones where yeah, he- Yeah, uh, warmed you know, up with AirPods. Yeah, he warmed up with the AirPods, forgot that he had them in and uh, was on the pitch with them and it was, on a derby day, and uh, yeah, which is, it's not going to go. Over yeah, well. not going to go over the fans, nor probably teammates or the the coaching yeah. staff. But uh, I think you know maybe this is redemption, and you yeah. know him uh, in terms of his, his attributes. I mean, he's a pacey guy, uh, likes to take on players. He uh, plays a wing back, yeah, on the right and the left, right, and uh, he's left footed. But I mean, some of the goals that we've seen him score is with his right foot. So I mean, maybe he's fairly ambidextrous as well, and so. 
I think it's a good potential uh, in the signing, and uh, especially with the you know potential leaving of Tito Vishalba, he, we have a pace merchant at least, uh, right. kind of uh, another guy on the squad that at least can do that. So uh, I think it's a you know at least I think it's a low risk, potentially right. high reward signing at the at the what you got. And again, and it's something that we'll touch on later with Carlos Bocanegra. You know, it's a salary cap league, and sometimes you just have to find these things where you move the money around and try to get you know, quality throughout the squad as best you can. And sometimes that unfortunately means sacrificing some players, especially ones that have become fan favorites. Right. But uh, maybe he might become a fan favorite for, uh, you know, for us as well. And so, you know, who knows? Welcome to Atlanta, Jake Mulraney. But, Mulraney. Uh, Mulraney. But uh, yeah, so uh, Carlos Bocanegra also had a lot to say about why they made the moves that they have during this off season. Um, won't get into the entire bit, but to give a gist of it is that, yes, we are in a salary cap league. Uh, it is really when a player outperforms their contract, it's difficult to give them a raise. <laughs> Julian Gressel, uh, especially after he wins Rookie of the Year, like a lot of clubs around the world would probably, uh, if their you know player was performing really really well in that uh, early spell, they would give them a bumper contract that would uh, really just you know probably double or triple and exceed what they are making. If it wasn't a salary was cap lead, year. we would yeah. have gave them one two years ago. Exactly. And that's really the difficulty here. And um, yeah, so there's so many limits and that's what he's talking about is that, uh, yeah, it's just something that uh, has really kind of, uh, you know, fueled the type of moves that they've had to make. Whether though uh, it's justified and maybe how it's maybe gone about, I would highly question a lot of that because uh, in terms of losing all these, you know, high profile, uh, at least the Atlanta United fans and fan favorite, uh, it's, you know, I, I think there needs to be some finessing for the fans here because to lose so many, you know, and not only through, uh, you know, direct sales, but also retirement with uh, Parky, with, uh, you know, someone that is looking to move back to their hometown and done it in Nagby. Yeah, there's a, a key contingent in Atlanta United that have moved on, and that's. You know, it could even increase with Tito Vishalba, and that's you know never going to sit well with uh, any fan base. I feel like I think the, the important thing here is that when you trade slash sell one of your all-time favorite players, it's not ideal um, for as much as we love it when the club president tweets about a backup striker that you announced that same day, and it doesn't really help that backup striker because they're probably only gonna get a negative reception because of the situation, and considering that player's history, regardless with the team, didn't sit well with some fans, and so it's like, timing kind of important and then the next thing you do is announce albeit incredibly adorable and spike the the dog but it's just like there's got to be a bit of a touch there and for me i think it was one of those things where usually pretty good on the social medias right. but it was a little bit tone deaf or maybe a little bit just out of touch with how everything was going in terms of how you announce those things i think like you said that has to be done with the finesse and you know, from some of the things we've heard about, you know, the front office not communicating directly with players at all. Yes, I get that sometimes that doesn't happen, but you'd like to hope at least that there was a, you know, thank you for everything you've done. You're welcome back anytime, arm on the shoulder, thank you for your service type of thing, which right. the best clubs usually do, whether it's a United or a Man United or an Arsenal and their better days or now or Liverpool or whatever. When a player leaves and they've done well, it's like, thank you, you're welcome back anytime. We really appreciate what you've done and you leave yeah. on good terms. And it, it seems kind of like, cold. And it bit. seems kind of cold from both Gressel and 
NLGP, that there's been a little bit that's been left unsaid that's maybe soured the relationship a little bit. And for right. me, that doesn't sit well because you'd like to see it handled a bit better. But at the same time, you know, it's just one of those natures of the game where it has to be a bit cold at times as well. So mm-hmm. we'll yeah. see. But I don't think the club necessarily helped itself in making fans a bit more relaxed about the situation. Definitely not. Uh, and so, uh, you know, moving on from that, uh, we'll... We'll kind of touch on what we had initially uh, planned for the the next topic, but uh, so we'll go back to it. it. Has something to do with Joseph? Just a, a teaser. But uh, so yeah, with Julian Gressel and in terms of uh, why he was moved on, I mean, you know, he had conversations with Extra Time Radio. He had conversations with the Washington Post and uh, some in the Athletic in terms of uh, some of his quotes. And really, it seems like uh, for. How it transpired in terms of the trade, he seems to have sat out uh, the you know first day of uh, preseason, and so uh, with that, I mean it was with um, a kind of in mind to you know kind of force something to happen uh, because yeah, I mean he was feeling disgruntled. It seemed like in terms of his contract, uh, you know he said that he would. Uh, you know, be pretty unhappy if he had to play on this contract that he was on uh, the entire year, and so he wanted something to happen uh, as soon as possible. Atlanta United apparently uh, did kind of uh, heed his wish and did pretty right by him in terms of kind of honoring, you know, kind of making a move for him and within MLS because uh, he told Extra Time Radio that there uh, was kind of interest from European clubs, but it wasn't very serious and so you know that being said he uh wanted to you know kind of play for the teams that were interested in uh, in him from mls and uh, i think that's you know for him that's i think you know he's looking out for himself it's uh wise he's looking out for his family he wants to get his he wants to get his money um it's kind of a f you pay me type of thing and um which is fine i mean that's uh totally i think justified for julian gressel to do that also very interesting in the extra time radio thing is that he said that uh he never saw himself as any lesser than uh the dp players that we had or the uh big name players that we came that came in on uh big transfer fees that he always thought of himself as one of the, the stars that he wanted to be uh, propped up up there. And so, uh, and he thought that his production on the pitch uh, kind of exemplified that. And I mean, definitely, I mean, he he's, uh, you know, our assist king, definitely in our short history. Um, he's definitely produced when he's on the pitch. But I mean, is this... Uh, does any of this kind of, um, you know, rub you any of the wrong way or is it... Well, I mean, I think some of his quotes and how he's handled himself, for me, uh, have rubbed me a little bit of the wrong way. Um, There's another quote he said when talking about Joseph, um, maybe he wouldn't have scored some goals if it wasn't for me. And it's just like, fair, some of his balls in have been fantastic. That's a fair statement. But also, you have to read the subtext there. And my thing is, is that on one hand, Julian Gressel, he is a fan favorite, and I love him, he's an incredible player, and at the end of the day, I think the team's better with him in it. So yeah, I wanna absolutely. go ahead and put that out there. I think Atlanta is a better team, especially if you play with the back three, if Julian Gressel's your right, your right wing back. That being said, there is also a bit of players trying or acting like they're bigger than the club. And I think a little bit of that is coming into context with Julian Gressel in that 
you don't want a player in the locker room who's constantly complaining about their salary. And that's something that started that was starting to happen. And you know, players don't talk about that. Joseph's like, I don't care, not my problem. I focus on me. And that's 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 what I like. I like players like Joseph who they have the ego, but they also know it's about the team and they're highly competitive. Julian Russell's kind of starting to seem like a guy that's he buys maybe buys into his own ego a little bit, or he likes like he. I'm glad that he believes that he's as good as the rest of them. You have to have that mindset to be a top player. Yeah. But also, you have to understand that it's about the team as well. And in this case, I'm glad Atlanta had to move him on because you don't need a player like that in your locker room that's clearly upset, that clearly has issues. And at the end of the day, if he wanted to be in Atlanta, he would have waited because he knows as well as we do that the CBA could change a lot of things, and he could have gotten paid. He could have. Atlanta United made him an offer, and like Carlos Bocanegra said, if they wanted to, they wouldn't have traded him. They could have just sat him here and didn't do anything. But they let him go, admittedly, to a team that I wish he hadn't have gone to. That's a big sticking point for me is, yeah, like, I would have loved for him to go to a Western Conference team yes. if it was in MLS. Like Vancouver, and, where we right. don't play. And, uh, or even like a Montreal Impact or something like that, like, yeah. where it's like a little bit innocuous uh, at the moment, at least. I don't know how Thierry Armory is going to maybe bring them up into We'll see. Know, uh, some bigger heights, but uh, DC United is a team that we've had a lot of trouble with, and yes. uh, you know Yamil Assad uh, over there as well, and Julian Gressel. They're, they're, they're already have been a, a contingent of players that have moved on to Absolutely. DC United, and it's uh, yeah, it's fairly annoying that they covet our players so much, but it is definitely um, well, they want what's good, and they clearly see that being good is getting Atlanta United players. But I think for me, the final point, with Julian Gressel, is that if he wanted to be in Atlanta, he'd still be in Atlanta. I think he knows as well as, like I said, that he could have gotten a better offer after the CBA, but he wanted to go before. And the bit that strikes me as hilarious is that he said he would have been unhappy playing on his current salary. As of right now, he is playing the season on his current salary, and DC have said they will give him a new contract, but as of yet, that has not happened. I'm curious to see when it does, and I hope he does get that contract because he does deserve it. But Atlanta United, I think in my opinion, made the right decision. Club comes first, and you cannot have players throwing their toys out of the pram, which clearly Julian Gressel would have been doing had he stayed. Yeah, I mean, and to be fair, I mean, we, uh, and a good bit of the fan base was also like, okay, he maybe had to, you know, kind of stand firm so that Atlanta United would uh, kind of have to, you know, have the ball in their court, make the, the actual decision. And uh, I mean, unfortunately, it uh, means that Julian Gressel is a DC United player. And, um, you know, part of a lot of the fan base is happy that uh, he might eventually get paid. But uh, I mean, I think we would all rather that he was an Atlanta yeah, United player. I'd rather, but. I think, I mean, we've said it on this podcast before. I've said it, you said it. He could have been a future club captain here. Yeah. He had, he had the chance to stay here. Yep. And yes, you know, it is a lot of money. $500,000 a year is a lot of money. That offer could have gone up six, seven hundred, maybe, depending on what happens in the CBA. But he did not want to wait. And for me, that's a sticking point. He did not want to wait to see what would happen in the CBA. So for me personally, it seems more about money and the ego than it did about staying in Atlanta. And to be fair, though, I mean, a player could be injured uh, tomorrow and it'd be a season or, you know, career ending injury. Uh, That's fair, but that doesn't you know, change the fact that right now he's still getting paid the same amount of money. Sure, but uh, you know the the main crux of it, I think, is is that he wanted to feel you know actually like a priority, which I, I guess LA United did not make him feel that 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 way, and so uh, you know and maybe the negotiations really just soured so much that uh, you know he just felt like it was irreparable, and so it maybe is the case, and that's very unfortunate. 
Hopefully we, again, have some better finesse in these type of negotiations and also dealing with uh, fan bases in, in terms of that. So hopefully that does improve. But, uh, you know, that's probably, it's one of the, this offseason has been very trying for a lot of fans. So, yeah. you know, I think in terms of that, there definitely needs to be improvement from the club in that regard. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so uh, back to the Joseph thing then. Uh, so Joseph Martinez at least has been monitored by uh, Newcastle United. Uh, now this is kind of a fairly old story, but it was kind of rehashed because of a live blog by Lee Ryder, uh, the Newcastle United pretty much like chief writer of, uh, of the club for the Chronicle. And so... He pretty much mentioned that, yeah, the, uh, yeah, they basically have looked at him pretty heavily. But that's, you know, one of the, the cases of, you know, he's a great player. He's always going to be scouted around the world. And so it's not really a big deal. I don't think we should fear that Jose Martinez is leaving. No, um, he's already making a decent check here. And I think that if there was a chance of him leaving and he's like, hey, I'd like some more money, he'd get that money here. Also, um, Newcastle can't afford him. Like, the price tag on Joseph Martinez is 35, 40 million, if not more. Starting at, probably. Starting at, and it's January, so we gouge him even for more. And also, we have, as we talked about literally this time last year, the yearly takeover rumors for Newcastle have kicked up into yep. gear again, and apparently the Prince of Saudi Arabia is going to be buying Newcastle. So, we'll wait for three weeks, and this rumor will inevitably fall through as every other takeover bid goes. But yeah, I don't think anyone has to worry about Joseph leaving, especially, you know, Atlanta is familiar. He's at home here. He wants to be here exactly. i don't see him going anywhere yeah and exactly that's the main part is that <laughs> joseph martinez leaving would literally send every atlantis united fan over the edge like myself included i've tried to remain pretty calm throughout this offseason if joseph martinez leaves i do not care if everyone riots twitter will burn to the ground and, and everyone i think would rightly question what are you doing front office right what are you doing and so the very, uh, I would say even like, it's not even 1% possibility. It's so low that, yeah, it's just, and especially this window or even the summer window or even the next just, winter window. Just, Joseph seems to be a guy to me that he's gonna play here for a very long time. Yeah. And he said so as much of, uh, as, as he said himself, pretty much that he's like, yeah, if they want me, I, you know, I want to be here. And so... And unless Atlanta <laughs> just changes tune overnight and immediately starts running themselves like Orlando, he will always be wanted. He will always be needed because you don't find a 30-goal-a-season goal scorer just hanging on trees and, oh, we'll pick this guy out today and we'll put him in the team. And you know? that wants to play in Atlanta yeah, and, it wants and to MLS. Be here. So, yeah. yeah, you just don't find that that kind of player laying around very often. So, yeah. The other guy is maybe Carlos Vela. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, anyway, so... Uh, there's a, a kit leak, uh, which is kind of the actual full... Um, it's a physical picture. It's a physical picture, exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, not the, the you know, not the, the shorts, not the back yet, but you at least see the design and you, you, you know, you can see it on screen right now. Uh, it's a secondary kit. It's uh, the one that we'll have this year and... It's I mean, a replica. This is the replica this kit. This is the replica. There will be a star for the authentic, uh, so they say anyway. And there will be kind of a, a, a kit reveal unveiling uh, February 5th and 6th for season ticket holders. And also, you can get that uh, on the 6th at the official team store. So, uh, you know. Come see me. Right. I'll be there. Right. But in terms of what are, you, what are your thoughts on 
this uh, this kit leak and you know. Um, I mean, I think that there's some interesting parts in the design. I'm curious to see what the authentic looks like. Um, my gut going off of what happens a lot with the authentics, um, I would gander that you might see a gold lining around the neck, kind of how we have with the King Peach and with uh, the star and stripes is that there's always that little bit of a liner around the neck and along the sleeves. I'd like it a lot if there was a gold liner along the neck and the sleeve. I think that'd be a really nice touch. Sure. Um, I think what's really interesting is it looks like, and we're not entirely certain yet, but it looks like they've managed to put the five stripe design back into the shirt in a very interesting way mm -hmm. with the, like this little like squiggly design in some of the stripes and just mm -hmm. a solid stripe on the others. Mm -hmm. So I think if you can kind of blend that in, that's a very interesting take. Um, and I think I'm fine with the colors. It, it seems gold and white, but you know, I'm curious to actually get my hands on it and, and see what it looks like, hopefully before the rest of you guys. Haha, <laughs> but we'll see what happens. But yeah, yeah. Um, and it might have kind of like the King Peach where it's pretty like meshy on the back yeah. where it allows the, the players At least with the authentics. To... That wouldn't shock me if it did right. that. That's definitely been something that they've been going by way of authentic jerseys is having that mesh light back and mm -hmm. the, having the, the, the solid back. So it's less players. heavy for the players. Obviously, I mean, it's pretty see-through for, you know, any of the fans that are wearing it. And so if it's summer and you're sweating, good luck. But yeah, uh, <laughs> it's white. Yeah, exactly. But uh, Wear yeah, an undershirt. The, the herringbone design, when you see it up close, I feel like in terms of, you know, what that is, I kind of like it, but it is, I think for me, um, I kind of had a, a love-hate with the strawberry and um, concrete. concrete. And King Peach, I mean, initially I didn't love it, but I grew to like it. I think it comes to the degree where uh, eventually we just all get the, the kit anyway. Yeah. Because you see it on the players and you just kind of grow to love it. Uh, and you know, you might be steadfast and you might be like holding you know, saying that you're never gonna get it and that, you know, barf emoji, barf emoji, but I don't know. I, it's I one of, it looks like one of those, I gotta get my hands on it first to right. see it. And once I get my hands on it, I can look at it and yeah. sitting in front of me, then I can be like, okay, I yeah. like this or I don't. And even last year's, you know, Star and Stripes, when I, if I'm being perfectly honest, when I first pulled it out of the box the day before the kit reveal, I was looking at it and I was just like, not a fan. But now it's grown on me. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm used to it now and I like it. There's little details about it that I like. There's some things I still don't like, but like, it grows on me, and I think that's how it goes with a lot of kits. It's rare that like you're just like, that kit's doo-doo. And to be fair, that's how I felt about the concrete and strawberry. I just don't like great kits. <laughs> so it's just like, that one has never grown on me. I very yeah. rarely will wear that kit. I, I like the fit of the strawberry and concrete. I think yeah. that's, that's for me was the, the main thing. And uh, King Peach, I think, fit really well as well. Uh, I mean, really all the Atlanta kits, except for the 2017 one, like that one fits the oddest for some reason. Yeah, the original right? five stripe just fit tight. Although it also looks like a bit of a return of the V-neck as well. And I've always right. liked a V-neck in the shirt, just me personally. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, let us know what you think of it below in the comments. But, uh, and that was uh, a leak from our, our boy, Larry Luke. But uh, anyway, so uh, moving on from that, the kind of almost weekly Paraguayan pair updates uh, is here and basically the latest is that sources are saying from uh, Roberto Rojas that uh, Arzamendia and Biasanti are still on standby. Uh, the plan is that Arzamendia would go to LA United reportedly and that uh, Sarah Porteño still need to sell to strengthen the squad. And so if it were that uh, Abishalbo came in, I mean, yeah, they sell but then do they bring in a player like Bobby Shalba who 
probably command much more than both of them on in wages. Terms of wages, yeah. So it's uh, maybe difficult to see it kind of come to fruition, but it still could be a possibility. And one of those things that Roberto Ross also mentioned was that with the other, what was it? I forget. I'll talk about the other team that he was linked to. I don't want yeah, to butcher. Yeah, There we go. I don't want to go back to back weeks and absolutely butcher a team's name, so I'll just let you say it. Nakaxa. Um, yeah, Nakaxa. Um, jeez. Uh, I owned it. I owned it. Anyway, uh, he mentioned that it could be a loan deal with an obligation option to buy for Tito going to mm -hmm. them. So it's like that's something that's interesting as well. So we'll see. I mean, it's definitely interesting. But I like, just don't know if LA United would do yeah. that. Type Unless of it was an obligation to buy, like one of those right, things exactly. where it's just like you have him as a loan and then you'll just pay us later type of thing. And, right. But like you said, with Sarah Porteño, it just doesn't make sense if it's a swap then maybe, but also, like you said, the wages. He's on a lot of money, especially for a team in Paraguay. Exactly. I mean, you pretty much probably, I, I don't know what both of them make, but I would gander a guess that he probably makes uh, what both of them combined yeah. do. So, uh, unfortunately, I don't know. We'll we'll see on that. But uh, moving on from that, there's a new way to watch Atlanta United in the CONCACAF Champions League, and it's going to be picked up by... Pretty much Fox Sports in English for the next three years, so that's great news in uh, one respect. Um, yeah, Fox Sports uh, can be a little bit unreliable at times, but I think on the whole, uh, having this option for uh, kind of the English-speaking fans definitely brings more optics and a better probably uh, kind of the entire production value that we kind of seek and crave from a prestigious uh, competition like this and maybe there is a little bit of uh, a boost in kind of hopefully anyway prize money doubt it but it probably just, just doesn't right take into much to be fair <laughs> yeah it's concacaf probably just disappears right into their yeah, pockets probably yeah. right into their pockets but anyway uh that's good news and i think uh yeah for la united um you know one of the probably more uh premier LA or mls clubs in the competition in terms of people that actually watch MLS in terms of that, so it's really great news for that. So I think it's uh, not too bad. But anyway, uh, some CBA news in terms of that, where we're down to the wire and it's getting- It expires on the 31st, which as of today, recording the 28th, is three days from now, but we're recording at night. So basically two days from now. Yeah, and so uh, if this is likely to happen, I have no idea, but it is not looking good. I don't, know, I, I don't know what happens in three days' time when that CBA is up and it takes over to February 1. Like, do we stop preseason training? Like, yeah, it's what gonna, happens? Yeah, uh, pretty much, yeah. If there's a lockout, holy crap. Um, yeah, this is going to get real crazy. But uh, and so, MLS, yeah. almost as bad at negotiating as Ed Woodward. <sighs> but uh, you will definitely hear from uh, us and all the updates on that uh, regarding all that. But uh, Jeff Lorenowitz kind of talked about the CBA and what he thinks of Tam. He said, quote, I think a world without Tam is a better world. You've got to do a couple backflips and a somersault to get that money. I think that the dollars are good. How they're restricted is not good. Uh, I and, love Tam. Yeah, and so he, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, he, uh, after he, uh, he and his, I guess, um, you know, his side won uh, the kind of penalty shootout in preseason. He did that ridiculous dance. I don't know that, what that was. I don't know what compelled him, but uh, I mean, there really, it's, you know, there are shades of Jeff Lorenowitz, and, you know, if you're not paying attention, I mean, he will do some absolutely funny shit that will blow your mind. Because... He has that dry, <laughs> just witty, quick delivery humor. Yeah. 
It's amazing. But uh, but anyway, yeah, he goes uh, on uh, in an athletic article saying uh, some of the key issues for players for the upcoming CBA. Uh, you can read it. Uh, but it, essentially, I mean, it's what you know. It's, you know, the travel issues, the TAM issues, the, uh, the free agency issues that they're just trying to uh, get some of that control back because that last CBA that they signed really boned them. And uh, so they're just trying to get a little bit of the power back. So, you know, hopefully... MLS just irritates the piss out of me, man. Yep. Uh, just <laughs> make it less complicated, because he's so right. You have to do backflips and somersaults, and then, like, find your way backwards through a game of Jumanji or something to figure out how to actually put a roster together. And it's just like, what the hell? Make it slightly less complicated. Like, I, I love Football Manager, and I refuse to even play MLS sides in Football Manager because it is so confusing. And I'm just like, I can't, I cannot be asked. To, I just can't be asked to do it. I just don't care. Too complicated. Fix it's it. fair. It is fair. I mean, uh, but anyway, if you're wondering why I'm wearing a hashtag United shirt uh, and not an Atlanta United shirt, okay, yeah, we got some crap last week because uh, Mark wore a Monterey shirt on this show, and fair. Fair. I mean, uh, but, you know, like I said, you know, just judge. Uh, I, I said it in the comments, I think. I, yeah, anyway. Uh, just judge what I wear. Just don't judge what anybody on I had someone wears. give me this wonderful Supreme <laughs> shirt, and I said I would wear it, and I'm wearing it. It has a frog and about 15 sponsors. Right. But anyway, uh, so why I'm wearing a Hashtag United shirt, there's a video up in this card uh, you should check out that I shot for them over, I think, a week and a half ago. And so, uh, yeah. Lots of fun, and they gave me a shirt uh, as well. So, you know, repping them, and they're absolutely a dope uh, YouTube channel, and the whole idea is insane. Just check them out, it's awesome. What's but. crazy is where, like, not to get off on like a tangent here, but seeing where Spencer Owen started as, if you know, way back in the day, like early FIFA, like early two, like 2010s, he was where FIFA he was player. the FIFA yeah. player, and he basically wore a cutoff hoodie and a mask and ran around playing people in FIFA. And he said some pretty defamatory things. He said some crazy shit. To where he is now, he's like involved. He's a nice guy of YouTube. He, yeah. yeah, he's just a nice guy. He has an incredible project that is Hashtag United. He's involved in like the FA Cup. He does stuff with eSports for FIFA. He has done so much good for the game, both in terms of like e-gaming and just in general. So yeah, Hashtag United, definitely check them out. Yeah, anyway, uh, tangent over, back to yes. Atlanta United. And so uh, the schedule starting 11 against the Philadelphia Union on Wednesday has been announced by the AJC. And it's Kuzan. Uh, between the sticks, it's Escobar, Robinson, and Mesa as the three-man back line. Lennon and Moreni as, Moreni. The, as the wing backs. Rometty and Heinemann as the center mids. Barco, PT, Joseph as the forward line. And so, uh, yeah, three-man in the back. Wing backs, uh, definitely different from what it was at least uh, on Friday against the New York Red Bulls. It was, uh, I mean, it looked like, apparently, it was a 4-2-3-1. I have my doubts whether it actually was, but in terms of what that was uh, for the kind of starting 11 nerds out there, Braguzan, of course, in the sticks. Uh, in between the sticks, Castillo as the left back, Mesa, Robinson, and Escobar uh, filling out that back line. Eric Rometty, Mo Adams uh, in midfield, uh, Brooks, Lennon, Barco, and uh, Petey as the attacking midfielders, and Joseph Martinez up top. So that looked like it was pretty fluid as well. It could have been where Castillo and Lennon were the wingbacks. 
But either way, that was reported on MLSsoccer.com as a 4-2-3-1. Uh, very interesting. I mean, it seems like, yeah, there's still, uh, at least for the confirmed one for uh, tomorrow, because we're filming this on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, the three-man in the back with wingbacks, it seems like we're, it's something that we're persisting with and we're not changing from. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that actually DeBoer touched on when the team was still in Atlanta, is that he wants the team to be able to fluidly transition between a back three and a back four within matches. That's something that you don't see a lot um, at the MLS level, especially if it's a full uh, tactical shift within a game um, because you can within a system you know go into a back three when you're in possession and go into you know a back four when you're defending and stuff like that but I think I still think that my gut is that this team's base formation going into the season is going to be a 3-5-2 again or some variant of that and I think that the ability to switch into a back four and be comfortable is very important because as we saw last year with injuries you don't know what happens the team is a little bit thin at some positions so being able to switch in between the two especially during a match is going to be something that really helps Atlanta going forward. But still, you know, a 2-1 win in preseason versus the Red Bulls is nice because, well, beating the Red Bulls in anything is nice, especially when it's the playoffs. Apparently, that's the only time we can do it. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, in preseason as well, so not too bad. And Joseph Martinez and Ezekiel Barco scored those goals. I think that's going to be a combination you see a lot this year. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there was uh, some video of uh, Joseph Martinez's goal, and, yeah, it was... Kind of well worked throughout the the, uh, the team, and then it was finished off. I mean, it wasn't a direct assist. It seemed like anyway, because there was a touch from the defender for uh, the goal, but it was Lennon with the cross, and then Joseph Martinez kind of just slams it home. I mean, it was, doing what he does. Yeah, quite a goal. Uh, but anyway, so moving on from that, the mystery man uh, that everybody was asking about, uh, number twenty eight has been finally found out and it is midfielder Tyler Wolf. He's uh, an academy player. He had just really actually come in uh, and he's 16. Yeah. Man child. He's big. Like he's yeah. he's big for that age. Yeah. But he, you don't take a... How tall were you when you were 16 though? I was six foot three. So there we go. Yeah, so <laughs> I, was, I was six foot three. So, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's possible. It's definitely within the realm of possibility. To be fair, but. I was like six foot one and a half, six foot two at thirteen. So like I was. Dear Lord. I was really. I if you've met me and you've seen me, you know I'm just really tall. Six five. I'm six five. Six yeah. five. Yeah, exactly. So those of you that always wonder like how tall is AJ, and it's just like. Yo, I'm like pretty like average height slash like on the tall side and at I'm least for Asian people. Five. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. Yeah, but Jesus Christ, you know, like this, uh, you know. It's because we're sitting down. <laughs> anyway. I have very long legs and long arms, small torso. Right. Just yeah. But anyway, so uh, well, last note on him though. You don't yeah. bring along a guy his age on preseason yes. unless he has potential and you see mm -hmm. quality in him. So the fact that FDB has brought him along mm -hmm. and sees him as someone he wants to be involved in preseason training, I think that says a lot for him. So we'll see what happens. But if he's there and he does well, then maybe he's a player that maybe makes a few first-team appearances this year. Right. And he's not the only guy. Will Riley was also another one of those guys that was uh, part of the preseason trip as well. He's also a midfielder. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, there's probably countless other guys that we haven't spotted quite yet because we're just Hawks you know scoping out every bit of information enhancing 1000% like Blade Runner enhance, enhance, enhance. <laughs> anyway so uh, moving on from that LA United finally announced the uh, loan deal for Andrew Carlson to Indy 11 uh, best of luck to him uh, I think yeah that change of scenery is definitely something good for him um, and I mean I think 
you know, I, I still think he has oodles of talent. It's just a matter of uh, just kind of gaining it all together, getting it all together and uh, getting that consistency. And I think there is that difference. Uh, Alan United 2 haven't been as competitive. Indy 11 are definitely very competitive and he will really have to fight for his places. That will make him kind of really try to up that echelon, echelon a little higher. Because uh, I feel like when he was playing for LA United, the first team, uh, he definitely stepped up higher and the performances, at least, you know, kind of the final balls. I mean, yeah, it looked like it was, uh, it looked like fairly at some point, you know, he was pretty close to being ready. And that's why he was on the fringes of the 18s uh, when he was able to, um, you know, really get it together. So I think this is an important year for Andrew Carlton. Right. Um, he, in, like Carlos Bocanegra said, that they believed it was time for him to challenge himself in a new environment. And I think that's true because it seemed like maybe a little bit that, regardless of what it was, for some reason, he wasn't developing to the speed that Atlantean had wanted, maybe he himself wanted. And I think this is a big year for him, like you said, a chance to, to go out and compete in a competitive team. If he can establish himself, fight his way into that 11, play consistently 30 plus games for Indy 11 this year, it could really spark the confidence in both him personally and in terms of his development to where he can come back next year and really push for a spot with Atlanta United. And that might be important because you could see the likes of PT or Barco going. And if you have an Andrew Carlton who showed this competitive desire and this step up in terms of his development and his professionalism, that could be a real boon for Atlanta United. So best of luck to Andrew Carlton. I hope he absolutely tears it up in the USL and in Indianapolis for Indy 11 this year, and we'll see what happens. Absolutely. And plus, still only 19. So. Still only 19. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Atlanta United 2 also announced, excuse me, uh, they announced the signings of two, or four new players, rather, uh, and they've signed 25-year-old defender Modu Jadama, uh, and he comes from Timbers 2, uh, has... A good bit of experience and so that's a uh, really I think a, a boon for Atlanta uh, 2 in terms of a guy that has experience around this league and a little bit of MLS experience um, they've also announced the signing of Ford Lamine Jana uh, he was a dream tryout uh, kind of at least I would say he's a winner of a, a yeah. dream tryout I mean definitely if you get a contract with Atlanta 2 that's pretty great uh, and uh, also, 24-year-old goalkeeper Ben Lungard from the Columbus Crew. He was on loan with the Pittsburgh Riverhounds uh, for the 2019 season. Um, and that's a 24-year-old guy. That's, yeah, I mean, that's someone that uh, will replace some of the, the depth that we've lost in terms of uh, Dylan Castanera, uh, who, yeah, now is with Inter-Miami. So, yeah, you know, we need to replenish that depth. We still, of course, have Brendan Moore and, uh, of course, Alec Camp. So... But, um, and then finally, uh, I'm sure there, this won't be the last move, but there have been plenty of moves already. Uh, fullback Bradley Comden Fiwo also was announced as a new signing. Uh, he came from the St. Louis FC side in the USL. So lots of guys, uh, a few Gambians uh, in that mix. Really cool to see. I think, uh, yeah, following them on social media, it's been really interesting seeing them like buddy around and I feel like that's uh, really going to be I think good for the locker room and um, you know having that kind of uh, that contingency that really I think will enjoy playing with each other. I so, think something that's important also, seeing this is that um, they're trying to find experience and I think they're really trying to make a statement of making Atlanta United 2 more competitive. Mm -hmm. I think they learned from the first season and really first half of the sec of last season as well that just basically using it as like 
your second academy team and just having them play against professionals isn't good for their development. They need other professionals around them and you can take the good academy players and then bleed them in and have them in that professional environment. And by being more competitive, it pushes them to be more competitive and then better prepares them to eventually make the first team. So I think that Atlanta added two, they're looking to definitely do more in USL and not be the whipping boys. And unfortunately they have been at times. So right. we'll see what happens and hopefully that it can all start coming together and it can really, maybe there's less academy players playing, but the ones that do, they're really going to start getting tempered for the first team. Right. They will probably definitely have to have earned it. And so I think that, yeah, that is the, the mindset it seems like with getting that experience, uh, probably more of a core kind of uh, maybe 11, maybe 13, 14 uh, set of players so that they're not always short and they're, you know, constantly kind of, playing different players in different positions and exactly, stuff. Because that could be very tough. And that's, you know, kind of partially why they've kind of seen the way it go, the way it go. But uh, yeah, that pretty much does it for the news. Oh my God, that was another week of just whew, a lot Pre of stuff. Preseason has a lot of news. I feel like it gets easier once the season gets going. We just talk about the games, <laughs> a little bit of news and preview the next game and we're good to go. Right, but uh, yeah, hopefully next time there are more signings that come in. Who knows, but anyway. Or CBA we're talking about there being a lockout. Yeah, oh dear. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that gets us to our buy or sell segment and simply we put up an Atlanta United topic and we give our reasons why we buy or sell it. First topic is that Atlanta 2 will have more points than Atlanta United in 2020. Buy or sell? I know, fairly ridiculous of a topic, but we're going to entertain it. Well, I think that, as, as we just kind of touched on, Atlanta United 2 is really improving in terms of the players they're signing, how they're trying to construct the roster and the team. So I think there will be a marked improvement for the twos this year going forward. I think that they're going to start doing a lot better, you know, finishing higher up the table in USL. That being said, for them to have more points than Atlanta United, I think it would either A, means that they've had an incredible season that no one saw coming, or B, Atlanta United has had a very poor season by all measures that we currently have. Um, I don't see either of those happening. Um, I think that they will improve, but also I don't think Atlanta United, even if they don't have a great season, they're still going to be in the 50-plus point range, and I just don't see ATL UTD 2 hitting that mark. Yeah, so you sell it. Uh, I yeah, definitely sell, sell it. it as well, but it is an interesting thought maybe with uh, how doom and gloom everybody is, not everybody, but a lot of the fans that are seeing all these kind of um, you know, the players exiting the club uh, are feeling, and yeah, still, there's definitely a lot of talent on this squad, and there's room for improvement as well, and so Atlanta United, I think, yeah, like you were saying, 50-point range definitely is uh, the territory that not only we should be aiming for and exceeding that, but uh, I think that's our floor, and so it's hopefully the case. Uh, yeah, if LA United 2 gets 50 points. I mean, that's an that's incredible great. season. And that's uh, really, really great. That's where, I don't know, maybe they should be, you know, getting more looks in terms of those players with LA United if that was the case in terms of some of the 18s and stuff like that. So uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully it is sell like we uh, both said. But uh, next by our sell topic, Julian Gressel will have more assists than Brooks Lennon in 2020. Now, uh... They're not direct replacements, obviously, but I think it is kind of right wing back. If we are playing uh, with three men in the back, it is a little bit like for life. So it's a bit of a caveat here because I think it depends on the, the system. But if my gut's right and I think that Atlanta is going to run with the back three, then it is going to be a like for like. Um, I'm actually going to sell. 
I think Brooks London can end up with more assists than Julian Russell this year. I think that Atlanta United, personally, I think maybe we have some issues in different areas of the pitch, but I just have a gut feeling that you're going to see large steps made by both Ezekiel Barco and PC Martinez in terms of goal scoring. And I think that Brooks London is a player that is highly rated, and I think he's going to be getting a lot of balls into the box, but also with the hockey assist, if you have more goals coming out of midfield and he's the one giving that cut back, then I think you could see him getting double-digit assists this year. And I'd, I'd, li I'd be lying if I said I also didn't want to see him get more assists than Julian Russell as well at this point. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I want Brooks London to get more assists than, uh, than Russell, but I think I buy that Julian Russell will have more assists. But It also helps us Joseph Martinez here. Yeah, but I think it's marginal. I think it's uh, I think it's like a you know nine assist season for Gressel, and it's like a seven or eight for Brooks Lennon. I'd take that. Yeah, and I think uh, I mean that'd be a hell of a season for uh, for Brooks Lennon, and if you can sprinkle in some goals in there, I think it's not too bad from a wing back. Um, and so I, I think the the main thing is that yeah, Gressel. I think he kind of mentioned with the extra time radio uh, interview was that. Uh, it took him a while to kind of acclimate with Joseph Martinez, and so it might, you know, be the same for Brooks Lennon, but it also might be the same for Gressel in DC with Ola Kamara. And so with that, I mean, I think, yeah, you won't see kind of the elite uh, numbers that uh, Gressel has been putting up, you know, in yesteryear. I think it will be a little bit less, but... You know, I think the real conversation is maybe 2021. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so that does it for buy or sell and gets us to the mailbag. And you guys send in these questions through IG story. Please continue to do so. And we might answer your question in the future. Sorry, just a lot of We've saliva. talked a lot today. Ooh. So a lot of talking, a lot of news. It really gets everything going. Running out of uh, saliva in my mouth. So yes. anyway, sorry for that, that picture in your minds, guys. But uh, first question comes from Spunpedo. Uh, reinvent the wheel only after 15 months of championships. Why? So first off, shout out to you for buying me the shirt because that's who got me the shirt. Um, I think it's, it's a bit of a stretch to say reinvent the wheel on the whole thing. Um, I think that for a lot of Atlanta United fans, it's been understandably frustrating, especially with the way that the club has been handling things. Um, I definitely frustrated with some of the moves myself, but I wanna wait and see what the front office does. I wanna wait and see what roster we have going into Champions League. If there are still gaps and things haven't been addressed and the quality hasn't been replaced, then I too am gonna to have frustrations. But I wanna give the front office the benefit of the doubt. I wanna give them time to bring in more players. And from the noises they're making, they would like to bring in some more players. So I'm gonna give them some time and we'll see what happens. But change is always part of life when you're a soccer fan, you know, especially at MLS level, the club from the get go has been honest in what they said this club's gonna be. We're just experiencing that first bit of change right now and it's tough, but you know, like I said to a customer, you know, that came into the team store, 15 years from now, we'll have 10 more Julian Russells that have left the club that have been fan favorites that we've loved, that have been great for two or three seasons and have gone. So it's the first of a few heartbreaks and we're gonna have to get used to that. Yeah, and uh, it is sort of like a sort of a college type of thing where you know two or three years maybe even one year you love a player and they have to leave uh for one reason or another uh yeah there is the salary cap thing that uh you know is a kind of huge cloud over uh, all mls clubs and so this is partially why uh some of these players have left or are uh, rumored to leave um, there is the kind of part and parcel of when you start a club then you have contracts that kind of run out during this period of time uh, but I think it's 
all these factors kind of coming into play. It's Frank DeBoer uh, having his choice of players a little bit. It's Carlos Bocanegra also, uh, you know, giving him the options of which, you know, which players that he wants and uh, which players to keep and, you know, which ones he would actually use and which systems. And so uh, it, it is all, I think, uh, kind of a part of it. And so there's always, yes, going to be turnover. Turnover, if, uh, you know, if you're not prepared for this, I'm sorry. It's going <laughs> but, uh, to keep happening. Yeah, it's going to keep happening. But uh, I mean, it doesn't mean that it's okay to, you know, uh, just be selling, you know, right. all of these players in terms of uh, uh, some of the ones that maybe that you feel like we absolutely need. But so far, uh, besides LGP uh, and Darlington Nagby, I mean, kind of forcible one. Yeah. But uh, it's ones that we've kind of sold from a place of depth, or at least we kind of we're in the view of maybe making uh, a move that's either cheaper or more longer term. Yeah. So. And that's not to say that you can't, I don't want to come off as saying, you know, you shouldn't feel bad all these things. Yeah, Absolutely, you should. It, it, you should feel bad, it sucks. It's, it's just one of those things that stinks, but also it's just, it's one of those things that happens. And I think raging against the club, as I've seen definitely some people on Twitter, that's not gonna help things. And it's just, it's just gonna keep happening. So we'll just have to find the new players and hopefully they step up and we get new players that become fan favorites. So right. that's but the for the game. It is though, you know, they are not without criticism. If they don't hit on the moves that they make, then we have every right to uh, really criticize any of the the things that happen. So. Look, to also make it perfectly straightforward with everyone in the audience, um, I'm a fan of Manchester United. None of this shit compares to when we sold Ronaldo. And I knew it was gonna happen, and it still sucked. He's an Arsenal fan. Even more suck, because they just sold all their best players to rivals. So both of us are slightly just, you know, soured we, by the world. We've, we've been through some, we've seen some shit in terms of great players leaving. Yeah. So we'll leave it at that, and yeah, uh, yeah a, that's a tangent <laughs> that we could go on. I'm, yeah, not interested in it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, next question comes from Orel Oscar. Uh, before the team had its name, what were other possible names? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> so I mean, I don't think we're privy to a lot of those uh, ones that they were trying out. But I think uh, some of the ones that were thrown about on social media uh, definitely were Phoenix Rising, Terminus Legion, uh, kind of things that were in the history of uh, Atlanta, like Resurgence a little bit as well, I believe, kind of were bandied about. Uh, there are some outcast related ones that have been hilarious uh, that uh, you can, I think, look up in, in the in the past in, on Google. But uh, yeah, in terms of the actual ones, I think it's just unfortunate that there's, yeah, they chose Atlanta United uh, FC for a reason and you know why they would put out the other ones that were uh, the ones that were possible. Not really possible, probably, but. Uh, anyway, so, uh, next question comes from Amber M 71 Why don't I see pictures of Anton Walks at training? Didn't he join the team? So, yeah, he essentially, he's still in England. Uh, he hasn't come to uh, preseason yet with LA United. I think he's still kind of on his winter break, uh, or his, uh, yeah on holiday essentially and so uh he will be joining la united this week reportedly from the adc so 
you know, we'll, we'll see him and, you know, hopefully he gets integrated quickly. I mean, because, yeah, it's a couple weeks and he's got to really get uh, right in the swing of things. But he's been playing pretty much uh, through this, like, winter period anyway, uh, at least with Portsmouth or uh, Pompeii. Pompey? Pompey. But uh, that's my uh, that's my Nicoxa. But, um, but anyway, so, yeah, he will be joining soon. So next question comes from William P. 1928. Are you really born in 1928? Wow. If so, you're the oldest Twitter Holy user crap. I've ever met. <laughs> but uh, how, or Instagram user. But oh, yeah, um, 92 years old. Wow. So. Did I do my math right? Is that maths? Is that maths? Almost. Yeah. I think Almost. so. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Quick maths. Anyway, so how much actually changes in terms of tactics, tactics and formation if Tito leaves? I think nothing really yeah, interesting uh, in terms of like starting 11 not a whole lot um, I think if you're starting him in a four-man back uh, back line and he's a right winger maybe uh, but largely I mean he's kind of that super sub or he's the guy the first guy off the bench um, yeah it's just I don't know it, it's unfortunate I mean yeah. he, he could start for most MLS clubs like I've said so, uh, next question comes from Tim Alim, seventeen seventy six. Okay, you're definitely not bored. You're definitely not bored in seventeen seventy six. <laughs> All right, how much money does Carlos have to work with as far as bringing in more players? Here's where the whole MLS thing comes in. Meh, like <laughs> salary caps and how you know transfer fees are amortized into the you know salary and the budget charge of players and how much allocation money we actually have and. No idea, because it's just made so needlessly complicated. Yeah, I think uh, definitely in terms of allocation money, we have a lot of that. Uh, and then if we sell Tito Vichalbo, we will have even more because we bought down uh, his contract with TAM money as well. And so, uh, yeah, there is a lot to play with. The question is really for me is, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to bring in a player that's elite for MLS and someone that uh, can play midfield, please. please. But uh, yeah, in, in terms of that, there should be a lot. And then in terms of transfer fees, I mean, yeah, I don't think it's really an issue. I mean, in terms of DPs, that's really only the only thing that comes into play. And that's where, yes, you it would be difficult for us to uh, spend kind of DP money, transfer uh, fee money in that sense and be able to bring them into the squad because we have three DPs. For my uh, mass so of looking at it, I think in terms of like salary, I think there's quite a bit in terms of salary that we can play with in terms of I think yeah, what we've we'll lost and mass there. Like I think there we could yeah. definitely get yeah. a couple more players in that are on a solid salary, especially with that allocation money. Right. So. I mean, some guys have gotten raises, uh, Robinson and Heinemann and stuff like that, but uh, yeah, I think there's still a fair amount to play with. So, uh, last question comes from Sheaves at 77. Do we have enough talent to execute the complicated style of football that FDB wants. I think sub the word complicated for technical um, because it definitely is, relies on players being very technically good on the ball in terms of the passing and the movement and stuff like that. I think you have a lot of players that fit that mold. I think it's another reason why, not saying he's not technically good because he is, but in a different way, why you feel okay parting with the TW Java because he doesn't fit the style of play that you're looking for. I think that Atlanta has some good players, but as we've mentioned before and Carlos Bocanegra's mentioned, I think the biggest missing piece for this team right now is a central midfielder. Someone that can sit deep, play defensively, a person, whether it is Villasanti or not, in that mold, that can do that work that's younger. You need someone there. I think for me, 
that's what you need right now in terms of having that team that can compete and can play in that technical style. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, in terms of that though, I think uh, for Larry in that position, kind of as our main guy that can do that, that can sit in the middle, uh, maybe Mo Adams is kind of that uh, heir apparent that they're looking at. Maybe that's why they uh, kept him in the super draft. Um, but, but also, is he that technical player? Yeah, and I don't know if he is. I have my doubts, unfortunately, but hopefully he surprises me. Uh, but I think it's in terms of, uh, you know, someone that is brought in, I think it's that... Uh, that person that can hold possession, that can control the game, that can, um, you know, give that that ball to our forwards on a consistent basis. Essentially, Nagby, but uh, someone maybe that isn't exactly because obviously replacing Nagby is going to be hella, hella difficult. It's impossible. But, uh, but at least someone that can control possession, I feel like is even more paramount because yeah Larry is there and so hopefully he can last the entire season yeah and that's and the thing is, is is the age so yeah having someone that can dictate play mm -hmm. from from the middle of the park that's that's important I think that's the one thing in terms of are there good enough right now yeah need that central midfielder I think to really make you that yeah to dictate things I'm a little bit worried is that that's the yeah. main part that I'm, I'm worried Heinemann about. and Rometty are not the guys to do that right and uh, I think maybe some more goals from uh, the wings Possibly. I think if you but. can get the goals from, you know, some more goals from, from PD and Barker this year, and you got to look at the stats. What was it? Only eight games, seven or eight games last year that all three of the DPs played together out of 34 league games. So it's just like, if you can get all three of those guys playing, you know, 28 to 30 games together, you'll see a lot more goals, I think. And all three of those players up front being Joseph, PT, and Barco, very technically gifted, very good, can very much play in the system that DeBoer wants to implement. Yeah. So uh, that does it for the mailbag and pretty much the entire show except for the question of the day. What do we got? And guys, with the rumors of Tito Vijalba being on the move and most likely leaving Atlanta United, the question today is which player departure hurts you the most should Tito leave? Nagby, LGP, Tito, or Gressel? Get down in the comments below and let us know how much pain you're in. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. For Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah.